We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Hey, listen, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Maurice. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It is so good to be with you. Everybody that is in the room and everybody that is watching online. Uh, before I get started, Sarah, who was uh, on the screen, does not like a ton of attention, but I'm going to shout her out again anyway. Uh, Sarah also serves on our board here at Ascent. And if you're new or you're new-ish here, uh, we have a board and we have a group of people who help guide and pray for our church and keep us on mission. And Sarah is a part of that team. So I just want to acknowledge her um, being a part of that team. All right. Well, listen, I want to start our time a little bit differently today. Um, actually, I can't start without shouting out my Jamaica crew. Y'all, listen, I know John already did it, but goodness, mission trips are my heart. Don't forget this moment. Don't forget the feeling that you have. Don't forget the conversations that you had. And even what we're going to be talking about today I, is just right up the alley of where you are. Um, and I just believe that God has done something in your life, whether you recognize it or not. So really hold on to what has happened on that trip, all right? Um, I want to start today a little bit differently. When you sat down, there should have been a, um, a three by five card and probably a pen. If you don't have one, go ahead and raise your hand. We have people who are going to hand that to you. Uh, I want to start today a little bit differently. Uh, typically, when a person that is speaking and preaching asks a question, it might be a rhetorical question or it might be one for you to just mentally think about throughout the sermon. Uh, today, I want you to engage with me. I want you to actually engage in this practice with me this morning. I'm going to ask two questions, and when I ask those questions, I'm actually going to leave space for you to answer those questions. Again, if you don't have a three by five, just go ahead and raise your hand. We've got pins and three by fives. I really want you to engage in this practice this morning. The first question that I have for our congregation, for our time together, is going to be this right here. Who does society say that Jesus is? Who does society say that Jesus is. I'm going to leave a little bit about 60 seconds, but I want you to answer in society, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's what you saw on the news, what thoughts come up. Maybe it's Jesus is awesome. Maybe it's Jesus is irrelevant. Whatever that is, 60 seconds, who does society say that Jesus is? If I could sing, I would be your background music, but I can't, so. All right, all right, all right, 60 seconds, 60 seconds. Next question, next question. And I want you to hold this for you. Don't have to be an overachiever, write a dissertation. Nobody's, you don't have to turn this in. Okay, uh, this next question, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? 60 seconds, write down a few thoughts of who is Jesus to you.
All right, all right, pins down, pins down. I want to start today a little bit differently because I think it's going to be important for where our time is together and where we are headed together. I'm going to jump right into our message. You already took two minutes from a chocolate preacher, so we got some ground to cover, okay? Listen, here's how I want to start our morning together. Um, I was doing some research, and as we go, go into today's message, I thought it would be pretty awesome to just kind of start with a public figure. Uh, there is a world-renowned artist by the name of Drake. Uh, some call him Drizzy. Some call him Aubrey. High schoolers, you know these. Millennials, if you're really OG, you know him as Jimmy from Degrassi. Come on, somebody. Drake is a world-renowned artist. Uh, he has broke uh, several different records. His estimated net worth is $250 million. He is not only a world-renowned artist, but he is one who has his own company, sells his own clothing, has a lot of reputation, has a lot of notoriety, has broken several records and gained several awards, Billboard Awards, BET Awards, MTV Awards, several Grammys, several nominated, uh, uh, broken records for being a nominated artist several times over and over again. Drake, in all of his notoriety and all of his reputation, several years ago, there was a viral video of Drake. And Drake, with all of his reputation, decided to go to a random party, a random average Joe's party, without even telling anybody. You can imagine how the room received him when they see Drake, the well, world-renowned artist, step into the room. As people sat there in awe and starstruck, and they began to take pictures and selfies with Drake, there was one person who wasn't so excited. And you see the host of the party actually make his way to Drake. In this viral video, he makes his way to Drake. Drake reaches out his hand with a big old smile. He doesn't even acknowledge it, and he looks at Drake in the face with all of Drake's reputation, and he says, who invited you, bro? Now, Drake, you got to imagine sitting here as Drake, the world-renowned artist, all of his reputation, he is perplexed, he's confused, and he says, myself. And then he follows up that statement with a question, and he says, do you know who I am? This morning, I asked or I set up the time together with a little bit of that story because the text that we're going to jump in today, Jesus is essentially asking the same question. Jesus, another world-renowned, not an artist, but you can say he's an artist, uh, but world-renowned person it is, as far as reputation, as far as notoriety, he's a walking with his disciples. And his disciples are a group of men, and disciples would be a term that we use today would be an apprentice, an understudy of Jesus, sitting with Jesus. A good disciple would be one that the Bible would say even would sit in and capture the dust of the rabbi's feet because they walked so closely with their teacher. Jesus is walking with this group of men, and they enter into this city, and Jesus asks two profound questions that I think is going to be two questions that we in society also have to wrestle with. Matthew chapter 16 says these words, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? If I were to title today's message, today's message would be the good news about questions. Yes, questions. 
See, we all have questions. We are all faced with questions. Not too long ago, I was at a leadership uh, gathering and conference, and they began to talk about how great leaders have to deal with the most questions and how effectively you answer questions is going to be a reflection of your leadership. We all are faced with questions. And isn't it true that the quality of a question determines the quality of an answer? I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you're trying to answer a question and the longer you're in that conversation, the dumber you feel? <laughs> have you ever been there before? As you're trying to answer this question? I don't know if you've ever been there before. I have some friends um, that uh, don't know God at all. They don't have any God background. And I just sometimes I hang out with them um, and they have like red eyes, low eyes. They talk really slow. I think they probably just burned some green and inhaled some smoke. And they're under the influence. And my friends uh, who don't know God at all, but I'm the Christian friend and everything, uh, always decide to talk about God when they're under the influence. But like every single time is going to be something that happens. And I'm sitting there and they're thinking to themselves, uh, how can I get Maurice? How can I trap Maurice? And so they're sitting there, like, <sighs> they try to blow it a different direction to be respectful. <laughs> now, now, how do you know that God isn't guiding my hand right now to smoke this weed. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself like, okay, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had to have a free will conversation with somebody who's under the influence, but I tried to, and I tried to really go down there. My pride tried to really give them an answer. And I really felt to myself, I'm getting dumber the more I'm trying to answer this question. The quality of our questions determine the quality of our answers. And isn't it true that questions not only reveal something about us, but reveals something about our relationships? Questions reveal something about our relationships. It was not too long ago, I was scrolling on TikTok and uh, my wife, I sent my wife this video, that's how we communicate sometimes, but I came across this video. And I was really struck by this video because in a real way, it started to talk about what intimacy in a marriage looks like. And it said, ask these questions to your spouse. And I sat there and I was like, babe, this is really good. On one of our day nights, I think we should engage in this because it's been a long time since we've asked, asked each other these questions. It was simple questions, but yet profound. Questions like, how can I be better? Questions like, what is your spouse's desires in life? What are their goals in life? Where does your spouse want to be in the next three to five years? Questions I probably would have asked earlier on in our relationship and in our marriage, because questions reveal not only something about ourselves, but something about our relationships. I believe this is what Jesus is trying to get at in this moment as he is leaning into the questions with his disciples. There's two things that I want to bring to our attention and I want to extract from today's text. And it's going to be what Jesus teaches us about region and what Jesus teaches us about relationship. What Jesus teaches us about region and what he teaches us about relationship. The Bible says that Jesus entered into Caesarea Philippi. Now, you can't go any further in the text. You have to stop right there and ask yourself the question, what is Caesarea Philippi? Not only is it a city, but what is this city known for? This has nothing to do with my notes, but as you are engaging with the Bible, can you do me a favor? Ask more questions. Why is this here? Why is this not here? 
Don't just let the Bible be something that you read and it's being objective and you just sit there and you're just kind of taking in information. Ask questions of the text. Caesarea Philippi was a pagan city known especially for a dedicated worship to a Greek god. This city sits 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, where there was a temple honoring the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus. Why do I bring up a couple of these fun facts? Because as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about today's message and I'm beginning to think about uh, Jesus asking these questions, the Bible says, uh, when he arrived to Caesarea Philippi, then he asked the question. What is it about this region that would prompt Jesus to ask the question, who do you say that I am? This is a godless region, a predominantly Gentile region, which Gentile is any person, any group of people that is non-Jewish. And Jesus is stepping into this region in a non-Jewish context, in a godless pagan city, and says, who am I to you in this space? This morning, I want to prompt us, let me talk to you just a little bit. I think sometimes what destroys our intimacy with God is God doesn't know who he's going to get today. Who are you around the group of people that don't know God? Who are you outside of church when you got a big smile and you say, blessed, I'm doing good, blessed and highly favored? Who are you when no one's looking? Who are you and how does your integrity align with the biblical values when you're in groups that have nothing to do with church? Who are you in that group text? Who are you in that Snapchat when nobody knows about? Who are you on that campus? Jesus asked the question, who am I? But he does so in a region that does not reflect him. And isn't it interesting that you can be around Jesus, walk with Jesus, and yet wrestle to answer the question, who is Jesus to you? I think answering this question is something that every single person will have to face, and every single person will have to deal with. I, it, uh, this month, will be having the privilege to uh, marry two friends. And it's so funny because in any time I'm officiating a wedding, I have to ask so many questions. And as I ask so many questions, it's getting to know the couple, but I also give the couple questions that they have to answer by themselves. And I'm doing one this month, and I'm, uh, I remember uh, actually giving them the questions, and it's like 70 pages worth of questions. I actually see one of the couples in the room that I married uh, today, and uh, they had to fill out all these questions. Shout out to Adrian. Good to see y'all. Y'all remember this test. Y'all remember going through these questions, right? But answering these questions, literally like 70 pages of questions, you have to answer these questions. Now, I tell the couple, you have to answer these questions separately. You can't do, answer these questions together. And then we're going to come together and we're going to talk about these questions. And I'm going to give them to you and I want you to have these questions. This couple that I'm marrying this month, I did the same exact thing. And we sit down and we have some conversation. I don't go over all 70 pages. Sometimes they think I am, but I, I'm not going to go over all 70 pages, right? And I'm sitting down with this couple and I'm um, asking them different questions. There's probably about four different questions that came up that I'm like, let's talk about this. Let's have this as a conversation starter at least. I ask these questions and I'm saying, you know, I'm going through one, I'm going through the second one. And probably when I get to the third question, I'm saying, okay, so I have here that you answered this way and such and such you answered this way. Now, when I get to the husbands and I say, you answered this way. And then I respond to the wife and say, now you said something interesting here. You responded this way. 
She said, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. And I was like, ooh. I was like, hold on. The computer said that you answered this. I didn't say nothing. Let's dig into this a little bit. I'm sitting there and I ask these questions and it was something that was pretty awesome to me because what is revealing about questions in a relationship is that you get a chance to see the level of intimacy. Long story short, she interpreted the question wrong. If you're watching, I'm not here to to blame you. (laughs) Um, But it's something about these questions that reveal who we are. And the crux of Jesus and what he's getting at in this moment and how we answer this question is how we will follow him for the rest of our life. What's interesting when Jesus moves in this region is he also moves into the area of relationship. If you catch it, you see Jesus moving from this outer circle to this inner circle. Who does society say that I am? Taking a poll of what society says. And then he says, who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus to you? Essentially is what he's asking. In this moment, the disciples, they answer all sorts of questions about what society says. And then Peter says a pretty awesome answer. And he says that, Jesus, you are the Messiah. But before we get to the right answer, before we get to what we think is the right answer, what I think Jesus is doing also in this moment and what we have to take notice of is that what Jesus are you following? See, I believe that we have to be careful not to just shout a Sunday school answer. The Sunday school answer is Jesus for everything. What'd you learn about today? Jesus. Who, who, what's, what's going, how was church? It was good. They talked about Jesus. Before we jump to a regurgitated answer, we have to be careful because I believe in our day and our age that we have shaped Jesus to reflect who we are. One theologian says that uh, God made mankind in his image and we decided to return the favor and make God in our image. Forming and shaping Jesus to reflect what I want him to reflect. And isn't it interesting that we can follow a type of Jesus that we're comfortable with? One pastor and theologian says, be careful because you might be following therapist Jesus who helps us cope with life's problem, heal from our past, and tells us how valuable we are and not be so hard on ourselves. There's Starbucks Jesus who drinks fair trade coffee, loves spiritual conversations, drives a hybrid, and goes to film festivals. There's open-minded Jesus who loves everyone all the time, no matter what, except for people who are not as open-minded as you. There's Republican Jesus who's against tax increases and and activist judges and for family values and owning firearms. There's Democrat Jesus, who is against Wall Street and Walmart and for reducing our carbon footprint and spending other people's money. There's Touchdown Jesus, who helps athletes run faster and jump higher than non-Christians and determines the outcomes of Super Bowls. That always tripped me up growing up with a sports background and trying to use scripture that God's going to be on our side. It's like, I don't know if that's how that works. (laughs) That because I'm a Christian, God's going to help us win and we ended up losing. But here's the deal. There is a type of Jesus that you may be following that is not the Jesus in scripture. As I begin to read this pastor's thoughts and commentary, I begin to reflect on my own upbringing. And I begin to reflect on the type of Jesus that was given to me. 
Now, here's the interesting thing, that nothing is wrong, per se, with some of the things. Jesus loves everyone. Jesus loves coffee. Jesus drives a hybrid, whatever, right? But sometimes we can miss the mark. I remember growing up, and uh, for several reasons I don't have time enough to get into, but I grew up with black Jesus. Uh, I grew up with a Jesus with an afro that was hanging on the wall. Grandma had a black Jesus. This Jesus was all about the plight of black people and only black people. Now, that wasn't my grandma's take, but that was in our particular area growing up in Los Angeles. The fight, the power movement, pushing back against all sorts of different things. There was this black Jesus. I remember going to school and having some different Catholic background of looking, going to different things and uh, going to a school called Salvation Army and all sorts of different things. There was a white Jesus that was handed to me. Pretty, blue-eyed, long sway hair, wore sandals, open-toed sandals, thong sandals. Back in the day, black people didn't really use black, like, thong sandals. We didn't really put, like, that was the whole thing that was just like, no, don't, don't wear those. I don't know why. Don't ask me. <laughs> what am I trying to get at this morning? I'm trying to get at simply saying that we can find ourselves following a Jesus that simply reflects who we are and doesn't reflect the Bible. And Jesus is asking us this morning not just to reveal who we are, but to reveal who he is. Who am I to you? This morning, we wrote down some different questions or some different answers. And my hope is that as we identify who Jesus is to us, that we would find something that is beyond just a human answer. Yes, Jesus, I believe in the the Christian faith and Christian tradition is the son of God. That Jesus died for all of humanity's sins and rose again from the grave. I believe that Jesus was a human being that walked this earth. But there is something that is deeper beyond the doctrinal statements that some of us may hold to. And today, that is my quest for us to get to. What is he to you? I want to read for you a quote that C.S. Lewis, another, in my opinion, a biblical scholar, theologian type of person who wrote um, Mere Christianity, this book. And he says something about Jesus that I think is going to be important. That we don't miss the mark, that it's understandable that we love to take in different narratives But let us be mindful that we don't drift off course of who Jesus was and what his mission to this earth was. C.S. Lewis says these words, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That this one thing we must not say, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems as if C.S. Lewis in this moment is pretty heavy-handed in his approach. But I think what the sentiment is and what we're getting at this morning is are you asking questions? See, I think sometimes that we can ask questions about life. We can ask questions about uh, relationships. We can ask questions about what schools we're going to go to, what food we're going to eat. 
You answered some questions this morning, and you maybe jumped in a car with a toddler, and they asked you a ton of questions, a thousand questions just from home to here, questions that we all have to face day in and day out. My question today, though, is that are we proactively asking questions about our faith? I think sometimes that we can drift through life and we can assume, yeah, I think I know about this. And yeah, if somebody would ask me, I would probably answer this way. But do we take initiation? Do we prompt ourselves even when we don't know the answer? Who is Jesus really? What do I want out of life? What am I missing from life? The essential questions of what is the meaning of life? I was talking with my wife, and I think sometimes that we avoid even asking some of the questions because there's a challenge and we got to face what's on the other side. When I was talking about the TikTok video, um, I sent it to her because I started to think to myself, man, not only do I not know these answers about my wife, uh, but there's some challenging things that I don't know if I want to hear, right? Well, like when I think about um, where am I messing up and how can I be better, Like, I know I need to be better, but I don't need you to tell me I need to be better. Like, is anybody else that feels that way? Like, I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I'm not 100%, uh, but like, I don't want to ask this question because like, you may really answer that question, right? Like, you ever thought about that? You ever thought of meaning yourself or said to yourself, you wondered, I'm not going to ask a question I don't want the answer to. I think sometimes you do this about our faith. I think sometimes you do this on a spiritual level and we go about life floating from space to space. This morning, not only do I want to encourage us, but I want to give us even some challenge. I don't know how you answered that question this morning of who is Jesus to you. I'm not here to be judge or critic. But I would suggest to you and I would nudge you to say that if your answer has no idea or has, has, uh, does not lead to God or Jesus being Lord, I would encourage you to do some thinking to do some strong reflection. Because the tough reality that I had to face as I'm going through this sermon that I think we all have to face is that if Jesus is not Lord, then something or someone else is. And we all have to deal with the results of whoever is Lord of our life. If you're a person in this room and you're probably wondering to yourself, that's not him for me this morning. But I think I want to take that step. I think I want to go down that road. I think there's a couple ways that we can engage Jesus to grow more intimately, whether you have known him all your life or whether you're just now starting to believe in who Jesus is. See, even as a follower of Jesus, a Christian for several years, I find myself trying to put other things on the throne of God. I try and find myself putting other things and people in the place of God's lordship, Jesus' lordship over my life. And the dangerous thing and the detrimental thing about putting something as the Lord of your life that is not Jesus is that we have to deal with the results of that. I remember initially starting to build my faith in God and starting to follow after Jesus around 18, 19 years old. Now I'm coming out of all sorts of different things and facing a lot of different childhood struggles and addictions. And I remember trying to place sexual relationships in that place. 
that only this could fill a void. I know, yes, Jesus is good, and yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I'm going to church, and yes, I'm doing all of these things. See, in my mind, uh, appearance and attendance was the checkbox for me, was the thing that was, was Jesus, was the Jesus enough? But I wanted to hold on to other parts of my life. And I found myself putting things and people in the place of lordship over my life. And the results of when you do that is that it will be fun and it will be good temporarily. But at some point, it's not sustainable. And maybe you this morning, you're in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, or maybe you just even have questions, you might be sitting thinking to yourself, Jesus isn't Lord. The good news about questions and the good news about today is that we can make a, cho- make a choice. And I firmly believe that all of your life's choices, all of who you are has led you up to this moment. You may have thought that your alarm clock woke you up and brought you to church this morning. You may have thought that you rolled out of bed and decided, I want to get free childcare and get kids out of my hair this morning. And that was your reason for coming to church. But I believe that there's something deeper. And I believe that everybody's life choices, there was not a coincidence that by God's providence, by God's Holy Spirit, they were all here this morning at this moment, at this time. So there's a few things that I want to offer to you to be considerate about when it comes to maybe having Jesus either become Lord or return to Lord of your life. Number one, it may be simple, and I've been saying it this whole sermon, but it's simply ask questions. I don't think that we ask questions enough. Number two, establish rhythms. See, this is a time in our world, in our time, where we begin to uh, get back into school, get back into establishing rhythms, getting back into going to sleep on time and doing different things, knowing we're entering into the school year and work looks a little bit different. As you establish rhythms, have you considered what establishing a rhythm with God looks like? Have you established a rhythm of just being with God? Some of you in this room and you're thinking, Maurice, I'm a Christian. I've been doing this thing. Cool. That's a sermon for somebody else. Uh, can I let you know that uh, none of us have arrived? And the more that we ask questions, it actually takes us deeper into an intimacy with God. What if you are living on the level this morning that God has called you to move away from? What does it look like to move beyond the faith of someone else's faith that you've been just resting on? What does it look like to live and to establish a rhythm that is beyond the same rhythm that you established five years ago or two years ago or even last year? What does your rhythm with God look like? There's another one that I have in my notes, but I didn't intend on saying it's been a several, every now and then we do something uh, called baptism, and that's actually something that we do several months from now. And we don't actually start talking about it until probably a month and a half, maybe two months out. I wanted you to think about what it looks like to take your step further with God by being baptized, by actually answering that question. And if you answer that question in your heart of hearts and you say, I profess that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and you want to mark that moment, well, come talk to some of us afterwards uh, because in a few weeks, excuse me, in a few months, we're going to be having baptism. And what does it look like to begin to think about that now? What does it begin to look like to question, is that moment for me? I have a runway to start thinking about, 
God, what does baptism look like for me? What does it look like to publicly declare who you are in my life? If I want to align my relationship with you, if I want to not just be a hidden Christian, if I want you to be the Lord of my life, and that means that my relationships align with you, maybe baptism is that step for me. I encourage you to start thinking about that step because it's something that marks the moment. It's something that puts a stamp on that moment for you to say, Jesus is Lord. Some of you who may have went to Jamaica, you may have made that step this week. I encourage you to establish rhythms. And last but not least, I would say to get ready. Because as we think about who God is in our life, from experience, when you declare him as Lord, And when you put things in place to undergird your decision to follow Jesus, Jesus begins to be Jesus. You give God room to be God. And as we follow God and as we wrestle with this question, the good news on today is that we don't have to run from these questions. The hard questions of life are tough and they are hard. And the bad news is that we will all have hard life questions. Sometimes we run from those. Whatever you put on your card this morning, I encourage you to reflect and to think about 10 years from now, 20 years from now. God willing, if you were able to look at that card right before you go on to glory, would that be the answer that you would want? Who is Jesus to you? Because how we answer that question determines how we will follow him for the rest of our lives. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, Jesus, today we come to you, some of us with many questions, some of us needing to be refreshed by who you are, needing to be encouraged by who you are. I don't know what answers were put down today. I know, Lord, this week you have been dealing with me in my own answers. And I pray right now for those who are deciding to take a step of choosing to make you Lord of their life and confessing you to be God. That's not an easy step, but yet you meet them in that. And I pray for those who may be in the room who've just drifted, who's grown stale in their relationship with you and it needs a refreshing of placing you back into the place of lordship. Lord, we desire you to be the Lord of our life because when we don't, something else is. Would you prompt us this week? Would you encourage us this week? Would you allow these three by five cards to be something that we hold on to, whether it is in our car, whether it's in our wallets, whatever it may be, because God, we all have to sit with the question of who you are to us. And that matters not only to us, but that matters to you. You desire to be Lord, Father, Comforter, Sustainer, Lover. Help us to take that step. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.